This is not a church service. I do my best to walk with all the integrity I can. However, this is an opinion program. Praise the Lord and good evening, everybody. God bless you and welcome to another episode of Miller Time. I am your host, Bishop Cedric Miller, and I'm so glad that you're here tonight. And we have so much to talk about. Before we talk about anything, isn't God awesome? Amen. We don't say that often enough. I know we say it every now and then at church. Amen. And we say it in songs we sing and we say it in worship. But let's just take a second tonight and just acknowledge the great, mighty God that we serve. He's worthy, he's able. I was just thinking today as, you know, life seeming to get back to some semblance of normalcy, maybe it's more like the new normal than the old normal. Uh, I'm just grateful. I'm just grateful for one, that we're here, two, for how good God has been to us that we, um, we made it. We, we, we suffered a lot and we lost people along the way. Um, and it's been a trying time, but when it's all said and done, God is indeed good. Amen. I was sharing with a, um, a fellow pastor today, you know, the tough part of pastoring is that we have to deal with the sum total of all things. Um, I don't dare compare myself to those of you who might have lost loved ones. Um, however, you've lost that loved one. And, you know, normally, we talked about this today, normally we would um, maybe have a funeral on a Saturday and we probably won't see you Sunday because you um, are still entertaining family and still processing all that has happened. Um, but work goes on for us the following morning. People are come ready, coming ready to receive from the Lord. And I'm just making up names now. So the Williams family, um, I'm not talking about Greg either. Uh, the Williams family may have a loss and they get to deal with their loss. And then the, uh, the <laughs> Macaulay's have a loss and they will deal with their loss. But there's one person, normally the pastor, that has all the losses and he has to deal with all of it. And um, that's part of what uh, they can't teach you in seminary. That's part of what you can't learn any place, but through the school of experiences, God gives us grace to make it through. So today I was particularly grateful to the Lord Jesus Christ for despite all that's happened, God has been good to us and he deserves our highest praise tonight. And I trust that you agree with me with that. Amen. Also, before I go any further, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to um, announce this. We have a few more seats left for Saturday's banquet, just a few more. We kind of ordered a little close to the vest, but we have a few more. If you want to still attend, 
now is the time to do it. Or maybe you can't attend, but want to purchase a ticket for someone and select somebody who can't afford it, go in my place. That would be great also. You can go on the church website or on Pushpay or whatever and purchase a ticket. Just put a note in there somewhere to let us know what it's for. All right, looking forward to it in Jesus' name. All right, hey, this is not a church service. Do not write me because you disagree with my opinions. It's just an opinion, and all it is is an opinion. All right, Sunday and Thursday, we it's time for doctrine and theology. Tonight is just truly an opinion show, and as a result, I have so much I want to share with you tonight. And although this is not a church service, you know they told us prayer is always in order. So let's pray together. God, we love you and we praise you. We give you grace and honor for all that you are and all that you're doing in us. We give you this time and we ask that you would be with us, be in the midst of all we say and do. Be glorified even in the way we process the day's events. God, give us wisdom, Father, to be honoring to you. God, may all we say and do please you and be a praise to your name all the days we live. We bless you tonight and we praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. All right. Hey, I got a lot going on tonight. I got a lot to talk about. I have a whole bunch of stuff to talk about, but I want to have a discussion when I'm finished with all the news. And I want, hopefully, to leave maybe half our time together to talk about something that isn't spoken of much in church but needs to happen. And I want to talk about, now right now, I'm going to leave it to the end, but you're going to start thinking about it. I want to talk about gratuities. What is an appropriate gratuity? If you go out to eat, what is appropriate? I want to talk about gratuities and other matters of etiquette that we don't talk much about and because the scriptures may not speak about in detail, I find out that a lot of times church folk somehow overshoot the memo as to what is appropriate and what's not appropriate. I want to talk about the difference between a tithe and a tip because some people seemingly do not know that. So I want to deal with the news first, then I want to get into that. What happens when somebody invites you somewhere? What is appropriate? What should you do? What happens if somebody invites you to um, anything, um, a wedding, a birthday party, a bar mitzvah? Um, what are you supposed to do? What is appropriate? Who are the people that you should look out for um at christmas time right i had a whole lot of stuff you know that we need to talk about just some regular stuff won't send you to hell won't even make you any holier won't even get you any closer to jesus well it just want to be more in line with what is appropriate so i'm just throwing that out there so you can start thinking it through so by the time we get to that point we will be ready to talk about it all right all right I don't care what we talk about tonight. We must talk about Katanji. No way around it, right? We have to talk about Katanji. Now, I'm going to be as blunt as I normally are. But I might be a little more blunt tonight because some of these things that's been happening lately has really gotten out of control. And in a few days, 
I will be able to be on the list, right? Be old enough to say what I want. So I, I think you can give me a week's early pass to get there tonight so we can just talk about this. If you've been under a rock for the past several weeks, you may not know that for the first time in US history, um, an African-American woman has been nominated to sit as a jurist on the highest court in the land, the United States Supreme Court. Katanja Brown Jackson um, was nominated by the current president after almost, well, not almost, more than two centuries of having Johns, Davids, and Anthony serving as US Supreme Court Justice, finally a Katanji. Now, all kinds of crazy things happened this week, right? Those of you that keeping up with the news, I trust you've heard. Um, Tucker Carlson. <sighs> Before I even get into what he said about her credentials, the first thing he did was make a slick comment about the pronunciation of her name. Right. That's just racist. And let me tell you why it's racist. I think Tucker has a legal degree or something. Ka Tan G. Right? It's really not that difficult. No, it's not European. But it's, you know, don't make it weird because it's not European. Don't make it odd because it's, you know, uh, it's a name. Like Tucker. You can't talk about people's name when your name is Tucker. Right? I don't even know if that's his real name. Whatever the case is, right? You're smart enough. It's three syllables. All right. You can figure that out. It's not that difficult. All right. Pastor, there you go again. Yes, there I go. It's racist. It's absolutely racist. You know, I don't know if you, you were paying attention. This week, the Florida legislature passed the Crown Act. Did you all see that? Anybody saw that beside me? The Florida legislature passed the Crown Act. And this is a good time to talk about the Crown Act. Anybody know what the... <laughs> uh, he might have, Tracy. Uh, anybody know what the Crown Act was? The Crown Act is a law passed in the state of Florida, right, that makes it illegal to discriminate, particularly in the place of employment, on the basis of hairstyle. Basically what the Crown Act is, you know, that sounds, that's the good, comfortable, politically correct definition. Basically what the Crown Act is, the Crown Act is saying corporate America cannot discriminate against people because they have a particularly African-American style of hair, right? You can't go around and make one style of hair okay and another isn't. Well, you say, well, pastor, they do it in the military. Um, when you join the military, you now belong to the government. That's not what happens when you go to work. 
Um, you can't tell one group of people you can wear your hair the way it grows, but you tell another group of people you need to grow wear your hair the way we tell you to. It's not even subtle racism now. It's just wide open and over it. Of course, all of us have it, right? We were raised with it. We were given it. We we want neat. We want military cut. We want all this uh, stuff. You know, I remember when um, <laughs> when Tory first brought Jason home and he had dreads, right? My first thought was the blood of Jesus, right? You gonna you gonna cut that mop off your head? I mean, that's that's how I'm thinking. If you think you're gonna come up in here dating my daughter, right? Um, I had to deal with my own prejudice and my own biases as it relates to that. Pastor, are you saying everybody should go out and just get a pro black hair? I'm not saying that. Honestly, as a as a father and a pastor, I I think if you're still climbing the ladder and if you're still in the job market, if you're still in a situation where you don't have your oppor an opportunity to prove who you are and still being judged by people who still control your destiny in some kind of way, um, you might want to be more mainstream, which means European, right? I, I, I get that, right? So you may, you may want to hold off on the dreads just yet, right? I get that. But I'm saying <laughs> we have in this moment, and, and, and this, is, this is what's happening right now, which, which drives me batty. Because when we start saying this, the way the majority culture is dealing with it is just lumping it under the heading wokeness, right? Just lump it under the heading wokeness because they know they have successfully tabooed the word to the point that it, it 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 gives them nightmares at night if you say something about woke so anything anybody say about what's unfair we just title it wokeness and we can just throw it out so we can ignore everybody and we should make sure everybody bends to our will that's what's happening right so pastor what do you think about wokeness i don't think about wokeness i think about truth I think about factual history. That's what I think. And if you want to call it wokeness, that's on you. Because, you know, it, it's the same thing like we we're talking last week about critical race theory. I don't hear anybody talking about critical, anybody talking about critical race theory except people against critical race theory. I haven't heard anybody in I don't know what month say anything about woke or wokeness except people that's against wokeness. It's, you're the only people talking about it, right? <laughs> hey, Abby said, play possum. Just have a regular European hairstyle until you're in, then change it. Hey, that, that's a pretty good strategy, right? We're just talking about telling the truth. That's what we're talking about. We're Christians. When I hear about being woke, sleep, having a nightmare, anything of the sort, I'm talking about telling the truth, right? It makes sense that Black people want to be woke after living this nightmarish of an experience. Ah, yeah, and you're going to email me and tell me, there I go with my anti-American sentiment. If you if you think it's that bad, then go back where you came from. And my response to that is right after you. 
This is what Tucker says. This is what Tucker said. So is Katanji Brown a name that even Joe Biden has trouble pronouncing? One of the top legal minds in the entire country? That's his first question. Was Amy Coney Barrett? We certainly hope so. It's Biden's right. Appointing her is one of the gravest constitutional duties. So it might be time for Joe Biden to let us know what Katanji Brown Jackson's LS, LSAT score was. Wonder how she did on the LSATs. Why don't he just tell us? Hold on. We haven't seen Donald Trump's high school diploma. Was it a diploma? Was it a GED? Did dad pay for it? We don't know any of that. We saw him threaten to sue anybody who leaked his college transcript. We don't know any of that. So basically we're saying the bar for being the leader of the free world is lower than the bar, not to mention that Tucker and most lawmakers in DC on both sides cannot put a candle when it comes to qualifications to Ms. Katanji. He said that would settle the question conclusively as to whether she is a once in a generation or legal talent, the next learned hand. Back up. Here, here is the ignorance of it. And I'm gonna say this right now. Tucker Carlson can say ignorant things because he knows he has an ignorant audience, right? You don't talk stupid unless you think, and you don't keep your job as a talker unless you know that the people to whom you are communicating aren't brighter than a doornail and they'll listen to anything that you have to say. And most times it's because, not because they're not intellectual or because they're not intelligent, but because this, their, their racism dumbs them. What would, what does the legal talent that she is or the legal mind that she has have to do with her LSAT scores. It's like saying, Pastor, we need to figure out how good of an accountant you are by looking at your SATs. Really? I went on after he said it to read the comments and I heard person after person. That's right. What does she have to hide if, if she has nothing to hide? There you go. Um, again, Sheila, you're right. You know, anytime we aspire to be something, we always have to be better. 
right? The bar gets moved every time we are asked to be. Now, keep in mind now, this is, you've heard this all week, so I'm not even taking this as, 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 as mine, but you've heard this all week, right? There was never any um, Senate confirmation hearings. The entire history of this country, as long as white Christian men were being put on the bench. I'll say it again, white Christian men. Pastor, here you go again on the white, yeah, because every time we talk about oppression, your name comes up, right? The first time there was confirmation hearing was when the first Jew was nominated to the bench. So there was confirmation hearings. He got on the bench and then they stopped for decades while we went back to confirming, you know it, say it with me, white Christian men. And please put Christian in quotes because I don't mean New Testament Christian. I mean people who are ideologically Christian. Right? But regular, normally intellectual people of any sort who aren't blinded by their racism or know something, you're right. Ask about how she did on the bar. That might be a better indication, right? You're not a good doctor based on your MCAT scores. I mean, what are, what are, we, what are we talking about here? What are, what are we doing? We're talking about thinking people here. And you know it's bad and it's really sad when so many brilliant, educated people can be so full. You know, this is how we we got to Nazi Germany, right? When brilliant, educated people, seemingly one of the most intelligent people at the time, is so blinded by hate that it's so easy to feed them nonsense and make them believe it. What on earth does our LSAS have to do with her her her, her legal education? Now, keep in mind now, thanks, Sheila. You have two other jurists on. That seemingly had as much evidence against them. As Bill Cosby did. Right, all kinds of accusations all over the place about all kinds of stuff, but that's OK. <laughs> You're right. This is the problem. Hate blinds you. And we have to be very, very, very careful. Uh, there's nothing new about, you know, Tucker Carlson's racism. Whenever African-Americans get into any fields dominated by white Christian men, even if your credentials are so stellar that they can't be challenged, the bar just raises, right? Now, keep in mind, this is exactly what his mentor, Donald Trump, did. Remember when we didn't know if, if, if uh, Barack Obama was an American, right? Um, then he said, you know, we need to see his transcripts. I heard he was a terrible student. How does, let me put, I heard he was a terrible student, terrible. How does a bad student go to Columbia and then to Hartford? 
This is the same person that says, let's see his records that went to great lengths to hide his. See, in the history of this nation, all but seven people who served on the court were white men. And I bet you that no one asked any of them for their test scores. That's why I said, let's put Christian in quotes, because I promise you, this foolishness is not biblical Christianity. The little bit that I saw of the confirmation here, oh my God, this is the fastest hour of the day, right? The little bit that I saw of the confirmation hearing, I happened to turn on long enough. And one of the reasons, let me just throw it out there. One of the reasons why I didn't watch the entire hearing, one, I had things to do. I've got a, 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 a phenomenally beautiful banquet facility to open up in, in a couple of days, right? You're gonna, your socks are gonna be blown off, by the way. You can't imagine what we've created as a church. So that being said, so I'm busy doing that and dealing with contractors and payments. I haven't had a chance to sit, but the other thing, I don't have the emotional bandwidth to watch the badgering. So I choose not to, to watch it, right? I'm trying to see Jesus when I die and I'm doing everything I can to make sure that I don't allow idiots to twist my heart away from the principles of scripture towards anybody. And I won't allow it to happen. I'll fight to the death to make sure my heart stays pure. And to keep my heart pure, it means that I cannot take but so much of listening to some things. I hope that makes sense. That was a very long Herefordian sentence. But I can't keep watching it. So I stopped. Now, Lindsey Graham said today that he's likely to vote no for Katanja Brown Jackson, not because he does not think she is qualified, but he is concerned um, about all the left wing radical group who supports Jackson, he calls that pretty problematic. You have got to be freezing. I, you're kidding me, right? Let's back up. I think she's qualified. I think she's, I have nothing bad to say her about her, <laughs> right? I have nothing bad to say about her, um, but I, I find you right at. I find it problematic. All the that let me get the quote right. The left wing radical groups that support her, and Lindsay, you didn't have a problem that the Klan endorsed Donald Trump. You didn't. I was in North Carolina when he won. I saw them on the bridge. We won. That didn't bother you. Proud Boys, Oath Keepers, Neo-Nazi, Charlottesville, January 6th, 
kidnapping, Mayor Gretchen, all of the, none of that bothered you. None of those or none of that's radical for you. And none of that in your mind was a reflection of the person they represent. But here again, the bar is moved. And if somebody he considers radical supports you, then you're not. You know, he went on to say um, he probably will vote no because there was another candidate that he suggested to Biden, which let's just talk about that for a second. You don't get to suggest a candidate, Mr. Republican Senator from South Carolina. You kind of mind your business and stay in your lane. Right. You rigged the Senate with Mitch McConnell and you got three. I think it was three, right? So let's just <laughs> pay that no mind for a second. Graham backed South Carolina District Ch Judge Michelle Childs for the court and has repeatedly shown his public displeasure that she was not chosen by Biden. You, you see the privilege there? This is the same guy that's talking about the power of the executive when Donald Trump was president. And, and you know, these things are his prerogatives and so forth and so on. But again, he didn't take your 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 pick or your opinion seriously or your suggestion. So now you won't back whoever he picks. You're making no sense. Graham, let it be known that this person, Childs, could have easily gotten, uh, <laughs> could have easily gotten to um, 60 votes. Well, Lindsay, that makes me nervous. Because if 10 Republicans support you, let me not just say this for Republicans, if 10 Republicans in 2021 support you, in my mind, there's probably a good chance that something is wrong with you and you're probably going to vote in ways that don't represent my interest. Hmm. Whoever this person is that she wanted, that Lindsey Graham wanted, I'm glad she wasn't nominated. Now, the question got a little crazier, right? The question got a little crazier. He asked Katanji, um, what faith are you, by the way? Or what faith are you anyway? And how many times, how often do you go to church? Did you hear that? Of course, she said she's a non-denominational Protestant. I guess that's what we are. Um, Graham then asked, listen to what he says. Listen to what he says. Can you judge? Can you fairly judge a Catholic? This is what happens when you wrap the cross in the American flag. A judge is on the bench not to teach church doctrine or even legislate according to church doctrine. This is exactly the point I was trying to make when I talked about the idea of even Joe Biden, even though he is Catholic, that in his role as the president of everybody, 
he must be guided by the Constitution of the United States. And to whatever extent said Constitution violates doctrine or dogma, that person, listen to what I'm saying, I think this is an important distinction. And you say, well, the individual should lead by his conviction no matter what his interpretation of the law is. No, he should not. Let me say this one more time. The individual should lead by the dictates of his conviction, right? No matter what his interpretation of the law is. Beloved, no, he should not. So you're saying as president, let's use Joe Biden in particular, but as president, Joe Biden is Catholic, which would naturally make him um, anti-abortion. And that's how he should lead because that's his conviction. No, I don't believe that to be the case. I think he should lead according to the constitution of the United States. And if said constitution, if in serving the constitution and being true to the constitution, if it violates his faith, he should not be president. If he cannot lead according to the Constitution and be right with God, he shouldn't be in the job. You're going to write me. I know you are. I'm good. <sighs> Now, I have some very strong beliefs about certain things. There are songs sung in worship I don't like. But I don't serve at my own pleasure. Right? I serve the people according to the dictates of Scripture. End of story. I don't have to like it, but I lead or I rule or I guide or I shepherd the people of God according to the word of the Lord, not my particular preferences. And again, I'll say it again. A president must lead with his main thought of the Constitution. And if doing that puts him in trouble with God, he should quit. But he should not ever bow to some personal conviction outside of the Constitution, because the Constitution is what keeps us all as citizens on, on, on firm ground. Now, I know you're going to tell me, you know, but this is the country that was founded on Christian principles, and I will say to you, that's debatable. This is a country that was founded on white Christian male principles. And to whatever extent our founding fathers, to whatever extent our founding fathers were guided by their Christian principles, and I will put it in quotes, no matter how much that anchors you. The Constitution is what leads this country. The scriptures is what leads the church and Christians. And whatever overlap those are, Whenever you have to violate the scriptures, then you quit. <sighs> All right. So much for that.
Um, this is why I keep putting quotes in Christians, right? So much now in right-leaning America don't know what to think because in their minds, Vladimir Putin is a Christian. And let me help you with some things that you don't understand. Vladimir Putin knows that American, particularly white evangelical American Christians are so stupid most of the times and so, and you're gonna write me for that too because I call you stupid, but you're thinking people, you can get through this. But he knows that you're so easily fooled and blinded by hate that all he has to do is throwing a couple of scriptures because he knows your bar for being a Christian, it just has to be Christianity adjacent. It doesn't even have to be near the cross, right? Your hypocritical, silly, perverted selves that don't even understand that you can't turn around and make Vladimir Putin a Christian and be pro-life. You numbskull. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, 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 how stupid does one person have to be? You're sensible people. You know what I'm saying. You can't sit here and talk about pro-life and talk about somebody that's bombing babies and pregnant mothers and 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 apartment buildings, but you're pro-life and he's a Christian. Like, like, what Bible are you reading? And that's why when we talk about Christianity in America, we must be very careful that we're talking about New Testament Christianity and not just some ideological belief that is somehow vaguely related to the scripture or to religion or to the church, but not really deep-seated in a commitment firmly to the truths of scripture and the commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there are some people that think the reason why Vladimir Putin is quoting scripture is because he sees himself as some sort of a messianic figure, right? You know, some type of a second coming of some sort. You know, you remember how um, uh, white evangelicals spoke of Trump as the chosen one, right? This guy talks about cleansing and, and purging society of people. That's right. He talks about purging society of people. <laughs> Pretty much, Tracy, that's basically what they say, right? He talks about purging, he talks about killing, but you that are so ideologically pro-life that you would support a pro-life bigot have no problem with a murderer, but yet still you're having a conversation about whether convicted terrorists should spend their life in jail or be killed because you care so much about life, man. I can't, I can't even take you seriously, right? I, I can't even take that seriously, right? Let's, let's, let's just deal with it. The report so far has said, according to Ukraine, 15,000 Russians are dead. According to Russia, 5,000 Russians are dead. According to the US, it's probably about 9,000. Pick whatever number you want, right? Find the mean, the mode, or the median. Stats one, remember that. And all the pro-life America still saying this is a Christian. It's killing thousands, 
but he's a Christian. <sighs> but why not? We should crucify him because Senator Cawthorn told us that Zelensky deserves what he's getting because he promotes woke ideology. <sighs> yep, that's what he says. He promotes woke ideology, so away with him. Give us Barabbas. All right. This stuff is so out of control. I saw another thing this week, a teacher. I don't even know where this teacher was up in Southern California. Um, led the school in a chant. Who is our president? Joe Biden. And then they asked, oh, what do we want? Uh, the teacher then asked, what do we want to do with him? And the, the students, the whole class said, we want him out. We want him out. We want him out. And this is an educator. And she posted it. There you have American education at its finest. You've got to be kidding me. You're a sense of people. Think that through. You're bigoted enough and silly enough to make the video. Have the sense not to post it. You can't be that silly. You have a college degree. I keep saying you're a sensible people, but I can't say that to everybody. All right. I wish there was a way to take an intermission from all of that. But let me give a closing remark to that segment before we switch to some practical matters. Um, I don't think it was a Catholic high school. It was a private school. All right, let me give a closing comment to this, right? Sonia Pierce, who is indoctrinating our children in the schools again? Oh, yeah. Just teach them about why we want the president out, not the truth about history, because that's woke. Maybe wanting Joe Biden out is white woke. I mean, what are we doing? What are we doing? here? It is not possible for us to be a less unprincipled people. You know, it's very simple. We honor those who are in authority. I always knew. I knew before 2016 that Donald Trump was a horrible person. I did. There was, there was enough evidence to prove that the man did not have one ounce of decency in him, right? I knew that the whole time. And in the midst of my disappointment and my shock and my sorrow and my horror, in November 2016, when he won, I took the time and for four years to pray for him, not because I liked him, not because I felt like praying, not because the spirit of prayer was all on me, but because I learned Jesus in a very simplified and a real way that I couldn't be subjective with my honor. I didn't have to agree with what God demands to do it, that as servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, we walked in obedience and I prayed for him for four years. Unfortunately, most of, most of white evangelical Christianity could not say that of, their pre, of his predecessor because we've had them even walk into our church asking us to agree with them in prayer. One guy said to get that Muslim devil out of here. We want righteousness in the White House. 
whatever you do, people, don't let them turn you. With the same measure, we measure all. If we pray for one, we pray for all. If Beelzebub becomes president, we are required in scripture to pray for him. And if we ever get back down to basic New Testament living, we won't get caught up in these cultural wars. It's not about woke and not woke. It's about truth and lies. That's what it's about. The ways of the Lord are right. Amen. All right. Now, people of God, ladies and gentlemen, y'all going to have to help me now. I found out that Many times it's because of exposure. Um, <laughs> it's because <laughs> um, maybe just not talking to enough people, whatever the case is, we always don't know what it is. So let's, let's start with a, for instance, something simple. Now, I shouldn't have to talk about this, but I think it's important because I found out a long time ago. I was young, now I'm old, right? I found out a long time ago that you shouldn't just assume that common sense is common. And I, I'm not even sure I know what the definition of common sense is because sometimes, um, um, sometimes, Context changes, right? Um, Tracy, um, if, if Tracy, if Satan becomes the president by scripture, you will be required to pray for him. Yes, you would. Believe it or not. All right, we have to pray for all those in authority. All authority is ordained of God. And some are there for our blessing, and some are there. Some are there to bless us and some of the are there because God placed them there to judge us. But whatever it is we pray for, they're in the hand of God, right? So <laughs> you shouldn't assume that everybody knows everything. So please, I know I said this a little with some a hint of sarcasm in my voice, but no, I, I'm, I'm being serious about this. I think this is important that we understand certain things and um, have an understanding as to what to do, all right? If you go to a restaurant and you have a meal, can somebody help me with what is an appropriate tip if the service isn't bad? Like anybody, <laughs> when I say it's not bad, the person wasn't rude to you, the food was okay. I'm not talking about it has to be stellar. I'm just talking about the, the individual did their jobs. What is an acceptable tip? 
All right. Nobody going to say 10%? Jesus asked for 10. Well, no. Well, the Old Testament law did. Okay. Right. I see many of you are saying, I, I think 20% is appropriate. Right. And I think 20% is okay if the individual just did their job. I think it... Um, If the person go above and beyond, if the food was amazing, um, if if the server, you know, was just over the top, I think 20% is the least you should do under any circumstance. But, you know, there are some nuances to that, right? Um, there are some nuances to that. For instance... You ordered your food and you didn't like it for whatever reason, right? You didn't like it and the person, the manager came out and took that off the bill. What do you calculate the 20% off? The new number? with that item off or the old number with that item on and why? I hear you. I see some of you are, are, I think that's a good point to make too. Waiters make less than minimum wage, right? Somebody old calling them waiters. They're not waiters anymore, um, right? Yeah, they make less than minimum wage. So most of the money that they make will be from tips. So keep that in mind when you do that. Somebody came in and served you to make you comfortable, to give you a pleasant experience. Um, be good, right? Um, somebody said the food being amazing is the cook, not the server. And they have a million other responsibilities since you as the guests know nothing about. And that's very true. But the issue is that many times the, the, the uh, server doesn't get 100% of the tip. She has to, uh, she had, right, thank you, Sheila, I'll get to that in a minute. She has to share it sometimes with the bus boy and God knows who else, right? So it's important that you tip well, all right? I think it's okay that 20% is absolute, the bare minimum that you should do, right? I think that's important. All right. Um, Sheila says, if the server was good, but the kitchen messed up, I give them the full tip. Absolutely. Because you're paying the server, you're tipping the server. It's not the server's fault. He or she didn't make the food. And anybody that eats out with any sense of regularity knows full well, right, that good service with mediocre food is still a good experience, right? But great food with mediocre service is not so great of an experience. Right. So, again, think about other people. Now, one of the things that I do, I um, as I told you this before, I ask questions like, so, hey, so um, so what do you do beside this? And if the person says things, well, I'm trying to work my way through college, the tip goes way up. Call it what you want, whatever. If it's if it's if it's a, if it's a if it's a young kid that's working hard, um, 
unless my whole family is with me, then it's got to stay at the 20 or the 30 percent. Um, I'll probably tip, you know, at least 50 percent. Sonia says, uh, 15% with a well-placed conversation if the service is bad. All right. So it's the bartender, bus boy, the bar, the back, the hostesses are all tipped from the server's money. And that was what I was looking for, right? Okay. So the server is working for a lot of people. So let's, let's, let's be, you know, I think the fact that God loves a, a, a hilarious giver and a generous giver, I think it applies here. So if you can find out some simple things, college students, single parents, um, <laughs> Sheila said, people who look like me, absolutely, absolutely. You see some little, let's, let's just talk about it. This is middle time, not church. You see some little black kid hustling and bustling to pay. Sure, as a black person, your heart's going to reach out to them. Because you know there probably is not parents at home pushing it, or it could be, I'm not judging them, but I'm saying at, at a minimum, somebody is trying to teach somebody a certain discipline and you want to be a part of that in the way that you can. All right. Okay. Now, <sighs> what happens if the, if this, if the waiter is horrible, if the waiter is horrible, here's my suggestion be led of the Lord. Not just in terms of the amount that you give, but if you have the grace to say something helpful, then you should, right? You should say something. I think it's important, you know, to say, hey, man, the food was good, but, you know, for whatever reason, you you left us here, you never checked back on us. Um, <laughs> you know, I would love to give you... Um, with, you know, Damien, yeah, we got that. Somebody said that previously. It's it's important. The tip is split all kinds of way, right? And if the person is actually was bad, then you should say something. If you have, if you are of the spirit to say it to in the right spirit, that, that will make it receivable. All right. I think that's important. So I think this is very important. The point I want to make too, that this is not about generosity. I think this can be a great part of your Christian witness, that this is how you think, that you're generous and you're helpful, that you, it's just who you are. This is not just, I'm not trying to just give you a formula. I'm just trying to say, just check the attitude in what you do to make sure you're being a blessing as others are being a blessing to you. Is that fair enough? You know, I think that's okay. All right. And if you're here tonight and you think, you know, if the church gets 10, then the bartender should get 10. The blood of Jesus. <laughs> right? uh, don't, don't, don't do that. Please don't do that. All right. I don't think it's a good witness at all. All right. Here's when it gets. Uh, who do you look out for at Christmas time to, um, to give gifts? Beside family. Who else should you think about? giving a financial gift to at Christmas time. Anybody? And don't anybody tell me, you know, this is this is just what the mother folk do and all that other kind of stuff, you know. Ah, the postman. 
especially for those of you that have the same postman on the same route all the time, wouldn't hurt to be a blessing to the postman. You'll be amazed how much less your packages get lost. All right. Um, the garbage people, people who pick up your trash. I'm telling you right now, if you are good to your garbage person come Christmas, they won't be that nitpicky when they see non-recyclables in your recycle bin. Ah, there you go, D. Some usually one person who you know can't return a gift. I uh, see y'all are good about this. I love it. Um, uh, your bus driver. <laughs> I saw. Um, Bridget said, uh, seriously, Bishop, you're right. Okay, all right. I thought she had said something ratchet before that, but she didn't. All right. Um, the postman, the garbage man, your delivery people, all right? Um, I saw somebody say, your bus driver, the bus driver who picks up your child, whose, whose hands your child's life is in, ah, your kids' teachers. Your hairdresser, your barber. He said, Pastor, oh my God, by the time we finish giving all these gifts, there's nothing left. The person who delivers the paper. Uh, people who are just nice. I, I, I see all of that stuff. All those things are important. But you know what we don't do? What we don't do is compare things, right? Um, I know somebody gonna ask pastor, were you looking for you know, your pastor? No, I'm not looking for that. That's not that's the point I'm making. What I wanna say to you, for those of you who put t-shirts, yeah, so not Amazon, right? <laughs> yeah, for those of you who put in things like teachers and stuff, just think about the kind of money you spend on toys, right? And things that, your kids won't even enjoy the week after Christmas. And just make sure that you have some sense of discipline in, in how you're thinking that you're really prioritizing. Because again, I believe this is part of your Christian witness, right? Moving right along real quick, I'm running out of time. How much money, again, gas station, if you use the same one and you see the same, I, I think that's a good point. Anytime you have somebody who does something repeatedly through the course of the year, think about that person, right? One of the people I, I look out for is um, I, you know, I live since I'm on the list, I live in a 55 and over community, right? And I have some guys that come out whenever it snows and they do whatever. I look out for them at Christmas one, most times they're immigrants and I was them. So I remember, you know, what that is like. So I look out for them. I don't think anybody else in our community does, but I <laughs> I do. Oh, she lives in the South. She pumps her own gas. <laughs> Bridget, great idea. Cookies. Yeah, if, if money is short and you bake and do stuff, make sure you do something right. All right, I need to move on because I'm out of time. You're invited to a wedding. 
how much money do you give? What is an appropriate gift at a wedding in 2022? Anybody have any idea? Yes, Nancy, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think it's, I heard it that it means to ensure proper service. And I've also heard that it's also to ensure promptness. So if your food is late, you, you shouldn't tip. But um, um, all right, I'm getting some good ideas here. Uh, yeah, please don't get me talking about Sheila moving to Jersey. That's a, I'm good with that now, by the way. I'm very good with that now. All right. There's a long story behind that that we shouldn't talk about. All right. A gift on their registry, or I think $150 or something, the amount of the plate. Good question. Not sure the cost of the plate. Uh, um, Doris is at $200. Um, <laughs> Lisa said, what about those that drink more than three drinks? <laughs> so Betty Ann said $200. Um, school supplies. It depends on the cost of the wedding. Um, and it's said never less than $100, but equal to the cost of the plate. And how do you know the cost of a plate? Great question, Mom Pudis. That's a good question. What is the average cost of a plate like today? What is, how much a, a plate costs at a regular reception these days? I mean, I don't know. In three days of reception, the living word costs three hundred, costs a hundred, right? Okay, you can normally make a guess. I say based on the venue. Who just wrote that? I, I saw that at the corner of my. Eye. Um, someone has said about two fifty is correct. Over two hundred at an upscale venue. Um, it depends on the caterer, the locale, if it's at a fancy place. Um, if it's a four-course meal, eight, 80 to 150, ah, different cultures. That's an important, too. Um, are we doing lobster or hot dogs? So I guess venue has something to do with it, right? So a good estimate as to what a plate cost should be. Um, um, Baisha said, you start at $100 a head. All right, 150 and up. Okay, so I see things are hovering somewhere around the 150 almost. Uh, yeah. Now, that's important. Now, what, what would you do if you're invited to a wedding, you want to go, but you don't have that kind of money? I just think we should talk about it. I don't quite have an answer. I think you guys are somewhere in the ballpark as to where you should be. I, I cannot imagine going to a wedding and um, and giving under $100. That doesn't make any kind of sense to me. I know for a fact if if there is anything to drink with the meal, it's going to be $100. So, um, Somebody said, do what I can and give the rest. Don't go, but send a gift. What is your relationship to the couple? Somebody say, send a gift. 
get uh, get something on their registry, do what you can. Um, I would attend the ceremony and send a gift, but I wouldn't attend the reception. Um, again, there's no scripture on this, guys. So I'm, I'm trying to feed off you here um, just a little bit. Um, I'm leaning towards what some of you are saying. I would probably get something on the registry or send a gift, though I know that my gift wouldn't be appropriate if I was attending. But at the same time, there are people that I may want to be at my special event that may not be able to afford it, right? So I guess our conversation is not about people being cheap, right? If you can't afford it, you probably should give about $150 a person, right? That's just a guess, right? Um, if you're related to the person, like if you are related at a top level, right? If your cousins, the, the, the regular rate goes, but I'm saying if it's your niece, if it's your nephew, if it's, you know, then you kind of go up a, a touch, right? But at the same time, we want to be careful that somebody's big day, that the only issue at hand is not money, right? Anybody wonder if it's possible, um, would it ever be appropriate to reach out to the bride or the groom to say, I would like to attend, but? What did Evie say? All right. Okay. I will tell the couple and say, hey, this is all I have. I'm sorry. Money started. I have a conversation. We jumped to conclusion. Not going. They may be fine. Okay. That's the question. All right, Evie. I knew you were. That, that was the point I'm making. So I think there, there, there are two streams of thought here, right? The first stream of thought is simply this. Don't be a cheapskate. If you can't afford it, you should give a decent gift, correct? If the person means anything to you, I don't think you should not go for financial reasons, right? I think it's more important to, to, to drop a call or a text and says, listen, I really want to come to your wedding. I'm, I'm available. I just don't have the money to give an appropriate gift. And I know these things aren't cheap. Because we have to be careful at the same time that this is not, you know, I keep saying this is not a church service. Neither is a wedding. It's not there to collect an offering. Kadeh <laughs> uh, said, most cultures, the guests pay for the wedding. Unlike, almost like the random chicken at a funeral to help the further cause. I hate having to text this, right? So I think I think it has everything to do with where you are and where your heart is, right? There may be some weddings that you go to and, and they happen to happen at a time when you are in a good place to, to give a generous gift. And there are sometimes you'll go and somebody's wedding will catch you and you're just not in a good place to give a generous gift. I don't think you should ever miss somebody's big day 
simply because you don't have the appropriate financial gift. Nor do I think you should be trifling while you're able to give an appropriate gift and not do it. I always say this and I say it again. You don't want to go into bondage about these things. But just make sure your own heart don't doesn't condemn you. You know, the idea of appropriateness has to do with a lot of things. It has to do with timing. It has to do with where you are financially. It has to do with everything. But I would be thoroughly disappointed if somebody missed my wedding simply because they feel that they didn't have an appropriate gift. But I think it's also, it's also can be pretty disappointing for somebody not to value the day enough, darling, you made that right, not to value the day enough to choose to give an inappropriate gift or just not to plan so they're ready for it, right? So again, don't go into bondage over it. I guess that's my final word on the subject. Don't go into bondage over it, but don't be cheap. Right? Give a gift that you're proud of. Let's be very careful. All of it is our Christian witness. And to look down on somebody who didn't have an appropriate gift to bring also mars our Christian witness. But at least we need to have some kind of idea in our minds. You know, the same thing is true of somebody invites you to a birthday party. I mean, of course, that's a little different. Like, what do you bring? I think for the most part, you bring what you want to bring. Again, don't be trifling. And if it's truly a friend, you don't not go because you happen to be... Um, <laughs> Sonia, you would say that. So they say, um, <laughs> have your wedding before church so everybody is there, right? <laughs> Evelyn, that's a good idea. Cover the birthday person's meal. I think it all comes down to a hard attitude, doesn't it? I think it comes down to making sure that you you live in such a way if this if this person is important to you and this event is important to them then you make it important to you. And if you, even if you have to sacrifice to do it, then you do it. But again, you're never going to bondage over these things because the best gift you can probably give somebody who cares about you is probably your presence, not your trifling presence, your honest presence. We serve the Lord's Christ. And even in things that are so pragmatic, and even in things that seem to have no spiritual significance in all that we do. In all that we do, we honor him. So in all these decisions we talked about today, make sure you honor the Lord in whatever you do. Amen. You're sensible people. Do what's right. Until next time, this is Bishop Cedric saying you have a wonderful week. See you on Saturday, should the Lord tarry. Let's come just to celebrate and have a good time together. Love you guys. Thank you for joining me tonight. 
I know we were extra pragmatic tonight, but man, we've got to honor the Lord and represent him in all that we do and in all that we say. Amen. Have a wonderful week. Good night.